listening to a sermon from Sojourn Church in Fairfax, Virginia. We hope that this is an encouragement to you no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey. If you're not already, we would encourage you to connect to your local church. If you'd like to find out more about Sojourn in particular, please visit our website at sojournfairfax.com. May God bless you now as you listen to the preaching of his word. Uh, So we're going to be in Psalm 68, verses 1 through 6. Please follow along as I read aloud. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad, and they shall exalt before God, and they shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord, exalt before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. This is the word of the Lord. Um, Good morning. Um, this is, this is a, an amazing opportunity, and I'm, I'm excited uh, and blessed uh, to be able to dive into God's Word together and explore His heart uh, for the fatherless. Um, my wife and I, uh, we're, we're, we've been members of Sojourns for, Sojourn for, for several years, uh, and I'm blessed to be able to serve as part of our orphan care ministry. Uh, but before we begin, uh, would you join with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, giving thanks and praise to you as the creator and sustainer of all things. We're blessed to have you in in our presence now and ask that you would allow your spirit to proclaim your good news, using me as a vessel to magnify your kingdom. Give us attentive ears and fertile hearts to hear and root your word and stir our hearts in humble obedience to your commands. We pray this prayer in, the, in your precious Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Orphan Sunday. Um, as, I, as I said, it's a, it's a special Sunday for, for my wife and I because it's a day when, when God really just rocked our world. It changed our hearts uh, in a way that, that gave us a new view of, of of the fatherless. In fact, uh, it's so impactful that by God's providence and grace, seven years later, we have, we have two little ones uh, who we adopted from Korea. Um, the most recent, um, our little one, Troy, we, we, were, we brought him home about five months ago. Now, before God opened our eyes in a real way to the fatherless, to orphan care, uh, sadly, I, wa- I really want to say that my view of orphan care was, was, was pretty narrow and really shallow. I mean, it was really more akin to, Lord, that's something that, that's what those people that are really called to that uh, do. But my prayer this morning is that we would see, through God's word, the Father's heart for the fatherless. That we would see the role of the church in caring for orphans because caring for the orphans, caring for the fatherless matters to God. 
And because it matters to God, it should matter to us. Uh, for those taking notes, uh, we're going to be looking at three main areas. Uh, God's unwavering character, father to the fatherless, and then what it means for us. And so just uh, God's unwavering character, father to the fatherless, uh, and what it means for us. But before we really dive in, I, w- I just want to take a moment to pause and recognize that it also can be challenging uh, for a number of us who are, are coming uh, with, a, with a variety of burdens on our hearts. And this message may, challenge, may be challenging to hear because it really touches and, and intersects with those burdens in, in, a, in an intimate way uh, that, that can really draw out a lot of different emotions. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Orphan Sunday is a special Sunday for, for my wife and I. But what I didn't mention was that it was also during a period when we were in the midst of a really low point, uh, struggling with infertility. At that time, we'd been struggling with infertility for about two years. And the biggest challenge that we actually had at that point in time, among many, uh, was that after months of testing, after seeing many doctors, just a really prolonged time, the conclusion was, we just don't know. We don't know after everything and the advancement of medicine, everything, we have no answer for you. We do not know why you guys can't have kids. You're healthy, everything's fine. There's just no explanation for it. And for us, that was crushing. Because it was the unknown. I think it was one way, like, sure, yeah, things are fine, hunky-dory, yeah, things are good, okay, go for it. Or, your likelihood of of having a child is slim to none. That would have given us at least some comfort in our hearts. And at that point, it would have given us, I guess, closure, right? And that's what we're always kind of seeking, is closure. So when I say this, that's coming from a place of understanding of the hurts that, that some of us may be going through. And so I want to acknowledge that that that's suffering, that's something that, that we can always look to God, that he understands what that hurt is like. And I hope that what we see through scripture here today and what uh, we're about to, to see is, will, will help us have that, that, help us allow us to have that comfort in our hearts. I also wanna say for, for those uh, who are suffering following a loss of a child, uh, either through miscarriage or other circumstances. I, I can't imagine what that pain is like. My prayer is that you would be comforted by the Spirit, and this message will, would allow you to take comfort in God's love and character. And lastly, for those um, who, who had given up a child into adoption, I think it's another tremendous loss in a different way. My prayer is that, that the Spirit would give you peace in the decision that you made for choosing life. 
my wife and I, we, we often think about the birth parents of our, of our two little ones. And we pray that, that God would, would give peace to their hearts because we really don't know really where they actually are and where they actually kind of sit within their own journey. Um, but I can't imagine it's not something that they dwell upon and think about and always wonder about. And that they would rest in giving assurance through the Spirit, whether they're believers or not, that their children are being cared for, that they're being loved, that they're being surrounded by the Spirit of God. And the hope that we have in God is that He knows all of our burdens, He knows all of our hurts and our pains. And we can rest assured in what it says in Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So with that, um, may God bless the preaching of his word. As Josh read um, in, the, in the first several verses of Psalm 68, we can, see, we can see the tone by which David is writing the psalm. I think a better illustration was, was Edward up here as he read verses 3 and 4 and just kind of jumping up and down and, and exaltation, right? So the general attitude is that there's a feeling of joyous celebration. It's a song of joy. And specifically, Psalm 68 is a celebration of God's character and faithfulness to his people through their historical journey. I mean, they've been through a lot of ups and downs since being called God's people. And so they're able to sing a song of praise for God's unwavering character through that long journey. This can be seen in in, in verse 4. Sing to God, sing praise to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the desert. His name is the Lord. Exalt before him. David tells Israel to sing to God with reverent joyfulness regarding God's steadfast protection as they wander through the desert following their exodus from Egypt. And the Lord accomplished this, as it says in Exodus 13, verse 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to, guide, to give them light that they might travel by day and night. So I don't know if anyone has ever been in, in the desert. I'm from, so I'm from New Mexico, um, and though there are a lot of different terrains, I guess, um, a lot of it is just flat. Flat, high plains deserts. And so as far as you can see on the horizon, it's just, it's just flat, a couple of little plateaus in the horizon. So you could be wandering days, no roads, no trails, nothing, just the horizon. And that's intimidating. I mean, you could be running in one direction for 30, 40, 50 miles, and it's endless. It's just desert. But the truth for Israel as they were wandering through the desert in their journey was that God presided over them, protected them, poured his grace upon them. 
I mean, let's face it. When we see a, a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire in a clear sky that's actually just kind of going in front of us, I mean, that's pretty magnificent. And so that's what this song is singing. It's singing joyous praise to God for that glory and magnificence. And so I think that as believers, it's important for us to reflect on this because in the case for Israel, to really sing praise to God for who he is and what he's done along their spiritual journeys, that's important, just as it is for us. The truth is, for us, God entered into a covenant promise to restore humanity back to himself. God did this through his son, Jesus, who would suffer and die on the cross for our transgressions. God brought us from death to life by the blood of Jesus, fulfilling his covenant promise. So if we think about this, if we really dwell on this, I mean, this is why we sing, why we sing shouts of praise to God. This is who God is. That's his character, which doesn't waver. It doesn't change. It always remains steadfast throughout all generations for Israel and for us today. Another amazing truth that we can learn right after verse 4 in verse 5 is that it says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. And so as we can imagine, God in his magnificence and glory in a pillar of fire, we also see that God is an intimate God who loves and cares for the lowly and marginalized. And he specifically calls out the fatherless and the widow because, let's face it, today, just as back then, those are people groups that are marginalized. They're given a back seat. How much do we really hear about the topic today? According to UNICEF, uh, the United Nations Children's, Children's Emergency Fund, there are roughly 153 million orphans worldwide. And so to provide you a little bit of context, that would be the total population of California, Texas, Florida, New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Ohio, and Georgia combined. That's how many orphans there are. In a different way, we can actually look at it from, from a world standpoint. That would be equivalent to the ninth largest country in the world. Which you would imagine would draw a lot more attention, right? But the fact is, is that God knows each of his creations by each strand of hair. And that's how intimate our Heavenly Father, our God, is with each and every aspect of his creation. But in addition to that intimacy, I think David's choice of words here is equally important as we read the verse. So let me read it again in a different way. Father to the fatherless, protector of widows, is God in his holy habitation. So the word is reflects a present reality for David in the psalm. It holds value and impact in the now. So as he's singing that song, he's singing, Right now, God is this. 
yet the song is captured in a song of remembrance, right? And so there can be a little bit of tension in terms of, okay, well, God was that, so God is this now. But when we look at what Moses conveys in Deuteronomy 10.18, I think we can have a better sense of why David is communicating the truth in the manner that he is. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. What we see in these two verses is that God is existing and taking action and care for the marginalized and the fatherless. And his love and compassion is not bound by time. Now, time is always something that like, I think that all of us really struggle with in terms of, okay, we're, we're, we're defined by like, these moments in time. We're defined by the past. We're defined by the present and the future. But that does, that's not how God exists. And I think that that's a part of some of the challenges of understanding that we can really, uh, really have. These verses also let us know that all orphans have a father in heaven who love them, provides for them, and executes his divine wills for, will for them at all junctures in time. And I think that that is good news for all of us and is good news for who we are as Christians and believers in that we have a God, a Father in heaven, who is an intimate and personal God. So which brings us to uh, the second focus area is, is father to the fatherless. The truth of God's love for the fatherless, it's a joyous truth. David sings of this truth in, in jubilant, just outcry, right? And so because it has real bearing on his life and it has real bearing on our lives, not just in a practical way, but spiritually. For all of us, we were orphaned. We were separated from our Heavenly Father, physically and spiritually, when sin entered into the world. But the hard part of our, of, of our spiritual separation from the Father is a realization of what that separation means without the appropriate context of who we are. And so we look back. In Genesis, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And later, in Genesis 2.15, we see why we were created. The Lord God took, took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and keep it. And so what we learn from here is that we're precious creations of God, created by him in his own image. And the reason why we were created was to serve and worship him, to work diligently for his kingdom, for his, in, his, in, his holy, in, in his garden in that, in, that, in that time. I mean, this is the reality for which we were created before that reality was distorted when sin entered into the world. But, as I mentioned earlier, God made a way. God restored us back through the blood of his son, Jesus. And by accepting Jesus as Lord of our lives, our eyes are opened to a different reality. That we are adopted sons and daughters into the family of God, 
as it says in Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. As I was reading this, I was reminded of the first several months, or first several months um, following the adoption of our, of our, our second son, Troy. Um, it, was, it was a little bit of time um, before he, he really took uh, to, I think, I think really understanding uh, the words mommy and daddy. But the beauty is, is that we, can, we, we hear him uh, just running around the house like a crazy child, just yelling, mommy, 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 daddy, daddy, or waking up, and just first thing he cries out is mommy, daddy. Or when he needs something, he cries out, Mommy, Daddy. And I think there's a beauty in this. Because it's telling in terms of, I think, the intent that Paul is trying to allude here when he writes that. If you have your Bibles open, if you look at how Paul has actually written those two phrases, Abba and Father, he, he, he writes it with an exclamation mark after each of them. I mean, this is a crying out that Paul is trying to convey of who God is for us in our lives. The present reality for those who receive the Spirit has changed. We're no longer orphaned. We're in God's family. And God's heart for the fatherless is, is unchanging. From the time he gave the law to the people of Israel on Mount Sinai, to the celebration of the fatherless in Psalm 68, and our adoption into God's family through faith in the gospel message of Christ. And so this leads us into the last focus area, what it means for us. And so I say simply that God loves the fatherless, and so should we. I mean, it's not, I'm not trying to make it really complex or anything, but I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, I think we really see the heart of God for the fatherless, and, then, and that should matter for us in that, in that intimate and personal way. God commanded the people through Moses to care for the fatherless under the law. And as Jesus states in Matthew 5, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. God's commands, which are an outpour of his character, is only fulfilled when we look at Christ. Under the new covenant of grace, Jesus fulfills the care for the fatherless by allowing us, spiritual orphans, to be cleansed by his blood and to be able to come before the Father and be viewed under the righteousness of Christ. And so, by our spiritual adoption by God, the practical reality for us is to care for the fatherless, the orphan. This is reinforced in James 1.27. 
And I think this is a really commonly known uh, verse for, for a lot of us, is that religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Here, James, the brother of Jesus, teaches that a life that has been restored through faith in Jesus demonstrates that faith through practical action by caring for the orphans in their affliction. So this can mean a number of things, but ultimately it really boils down to us as Christians looking at orphan care as a personal matter, as God looks at it as a personal matter. This was how God changed my heart and my wife's heart from an attitude of, well, it's not really where my calling is for, to how can I love the fatherless as God loves the fatherless? This can mean that for those who aspire to have children, consider adoption or foster care as a, as a plan not as a plan B, but a plan A. For my wife and I, we can say with 100% assurance, 100% assurance, that Jack and Troy have been a gift from God. And to be their parents is it's an absolute joy. For us, when we were faced with the tough decision of uh, pursuing uh, medical intervention to have children, uh, we were ultimately led by the Spirit down a different path. And I'm for forever grateful for God's providence in our lives for how he led us. But I also want to acknowledge that adoption, it might not be a calling for all of us. But I think that if we look in James, we see the choice of words, again, is very perfect. He says to visit orphans in their affliction. So the practical application for us doesn't necessarily mean that we are adopting them into our families, but if it is, praise God. And so there are a few questions that I just want to raise for us to think about, to dwell upon, to meditate on, which are, what is God's calling for your heart with regard to, to orphan care for the fatherless? And that's a personal question between you and the father. Because it can lead you down a number of different paths. The next question that I'm going to ask is going to be, what gifts have you been given to allow you to scheme boldly for, under the Lord's command? Now, all of us have been give, given specific gifts by the Lord, whether it's to be able to sing praises, whether it's to preach, whether it's to give counsel. I mean, those are just a couple, to name a couple, but... All of us have been given, given gifts. But I really want to emphasize and, 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 and advocate for how we can scheme. I mean, scheme is a word where it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's you're being a little tricky, I guess, yeah. Um, but it's also being uh, ingenious, right? You're more than genius, you're ingenious. Um, 
And so how can we actually do that for an area where God is, is calling all of us as believers to take action? I don't stand up here saying that I, I've got all the answers or I know, okay, you have to do A, B, and C in order to do orphan care. No, that's for all of us. And God made us all unique because, because I think one solution for it all will, will never work, right? And that's where each of us brings a specific, perfect perspective in accordance to God's plan. The next question that I want to ask is going to be, how can I learn more, how can I learn and be more informed about orphan care? Where is our orphan IQ, right? If that's a thing. Um, how much do I actually know about the topic? Did I know that there were 153 million orphans in the world? There are a number of resources out there. There are a number of great uh, just uh, blogs, websites. Um, the Christian Alliance for Orphan Care is, is, is something that actually brings together a lot of, uh, of different perspectives from, from organizations and groups. But there's a number of, of great books. Um, Orphan Justice uh, uh, by Johnny Carr and Laura Kapteri um, offers pretty, a good, deep understanding of of the perspectives on orphan care, what leads to orphan, uh, orphan creation, um, um, the different uh, aspects of the fallen world that we live in that, that kind of leads to that. Um, and another one is Orphanology by Tona Morita and Rick Morton. But how are we as believers, as Christians, being, getting involved in, in educating ourselves on this topic? Here at Sojourn, um, we have 16 Confident Hopes. And each Confident Hope is an area where we as a church uh, boldly look to espouse, uh, an er as in, boldly espouse uh, a reflection of our faith in Jesus. I mean, they're hopes, right? Something that we look to, that we aspire to um, through our faith in Christ. And I love the fact that one of our Confident Hopes is adoption, orphan care, and foster care. And let me read that for you. So, we desire to be a church where families and people are regularly, regularly pursuing adoption, orphan care, or foster care, and where education, care, and resources are being provided for families who are adopting, fostering, and have adopted. If you're a covenant member at Sojourn, I mean, this is one of the hopes that, that we are all on board on, right? And so as believers, as a covenant membership at Sojourn, how are we actively engaging on this? I love serving with, with Amy and Tom um, on the Orphan Care Ministry, uh, and uh, and I'm excited for, for Amy as she's uh, during the uh, panel discussion, so sorry to steal any of your thunder, um, is that she's going to be sharing about um, and kind of an update on uh, how we as a church, um, last Orphan Sunday, we, we passed out a number of little orphan cards. Um, but she's going to be providing an update on, uh, on how our prayers are petitioning before the Heavenly Father, what, what that has led to. 
I think in addition to that, what we uh, are wanting to do, and um, she's going to be exploring in more detail, is going to be sending out some uh, more information about orphans that are um, uh, in the, um, I guess, in the system, um, but uh, what we could be doing. And I think the biggest thing that we can be doing here is, is coming before the throne in prayer. Prayer is huge. Prayer makes things happen. That's the engine, right? But I don't want to discount the fact that practically serving in orphan care, while it sounds, and, and, I'm, and I'm saying a lot of amazing things with regards to it, it doesn't come with its own challenges, its own struggles. In our own walk in our own journey for my wife and I, we've, we've struggled, we've, we've faced a lot of, of struggles, a lot of challenges, whether it's practically, spiritually, emotionally. And so I don't want to say that we're going to be going into and, and hard charging into a, into a battle without having a right perspective with regards to it. For us, one of, the, one of the biggest struggles that we had was, was acceptance for our families. I mean, we're, we're blessed now that, um, that both of our families look at our children and, and with just uh, amazing joy. But that wasn't always like that. I mean, culturally speaking, um, we come from a culture where um, blood matters. Lineage matters. I remember a time when I was younger where my mom took me to the side and went, you are a Lee of this clan and you have to know this because when people come and talk to you and go, You're, what Lee are you? And, and, and you have to know. I mean, that, that's like the cultural kind of challenges and, and barriers that, that we, were, we were struggling through. Another struggle that we, um, that we had uh, going through it all was, uh, was being okay. Um, God never allowed us to have children naturally. And that's okay because uh, we've been immensely blessed. But that decision, uh, it's something that, that still carries forward with us. I mean, we've been battling with nine years of, of unknown infertility. And that's something that we still struggle with. And so it's a present reality for us, uh, even though we've been blessed. And the last one I want to share is that um, as we were going through the, the paperwork process, um, we had to fill out um, a form, um, which, I mean, I kind of uh, deem it the list. Um, but it's, it's a list of a bunch of medical conditions that you would be willing to consider in a child. And let me say that again. A list of medical conditions that you would be okay with, with accepting in a child. Who am I in order to actually fill out that list? 
well, I'm okay with this, but not that. I mean, this was a struggle that we, that we prayed through for, it took four days to fill out this two-page paper. Nights of prayer, of crying, not feeling like you're this small. Talking to, to close friends about, like, am I a bad person? I mean, so it's not going, it's, it's not a journey that there are going to be its highs. There's going to be a lot of struggles and a lot of low points throughout that journey. So whether it's adopting a child, caring for them uh, in foster care, or visiting orphans abroad, they're going to be tough, challenging struggles. But let me ask this, this question of you. What was the cost of our adoption into God's family? What was that cost? In order for that to happen, Jesus descended from heaven. He suffered. He was beaten. He was denied by those closest to him. And ultimately, he went up on the cross to bear the sins of the world. And by bearing those sins, was separated from God the Father who he had been tied to from eternity, from the creation of all things. That was the cost of our adoption. This demonstrates that an even greater struggle, hardship, was bore by God on our behalf in order to adopt us into his family. And so, as a father loves and cares for orphans, and by obeying his commands, which are a reflection of his character, may we saturate our lives in his spirit, that we don't see the, the present joy in the moment, but that we would satisfy our joy in obedience to his commands for our lives. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon from Sojourn Fairfax. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at info at sojournfairfax.com. Go in peace. Mm-hmm.